How you guys doing? Hey, let me give a shout out to the guys who filled in. Tom, uh, Tom let Derek know what a day or so ago that he couldn't do it. He was sick, so we we're kind of panicked. And Derek, what'd you do? Call Steve. Steve, Steve was on top of it, and then. Wes came in and helped this morning with the breakfast, so really, really appreciate those two guys holding down the fort. I just put out some napkins or something. <laughs> Thanks, Wes. Yeah, I appreciate Jerry, you guys. Derek, appreciate you. I know you came in early, too. Man. This, uh, is, this is fun going through this, and we're almost halfway through already. Oh, yeah. Can you believe That's, it? Yeah, we are, uh, we are done with this fall in one month, a little less than that, on November the 7th. And uh, who knows where the Chiefs will be then, but right now they're one of two 5-0 and teams in the NFL, and they spanked the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number one offensive team in the NFL, KC, versus the number one defensive team. Didn't they get, like, the most, most personal foul penalties or something this last game? Oh, Casey! <laughs> I think they had they were punching people and what? karate chopping and all, all kinds hey, of stuff. We're all I, Christians. <laughs> we're Sunday go to church Christians on the Chiefs team, man. But they do have the Patriots this week. Yeah, now those are the evil guys right there. What this week? Patriots. Don, that's, sorry, that's Don, Don. Don's crew right there. Man, alive. <laughs> we'll see what Brady's going to do with them. Belichick and Brady. They come right straight out of the pits. No, I can't. <laughs> anyway. Pits in New England. Yeah, we're in trouble. We got to go to New England. New England's playing great right now. So that'd be a miracle if, uh, <laughs> if the good guys win. So, um, and I'm not even talking to, today about KU and K-State football teams. Let's just move right on. That's their, their yeah. n- next week. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, in, uh, we're doing this book in case you're visiting this morning. Ha ha. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And we've come to the habit called Put First Things First, Mm -hmm. which later on Steve Covey uh, thought was so important that he actually wrote a book, a whole book with just that title. And as I'll show you at the end uh, today, this is the uh, habit which has been picked up on by a lot of those more modern books that we did this last spring in the Mm -hmm. previous fall. So, but we're going to go through this. This is in some ways the most important or uh, groundbreaking maybe of all seven of the habits. And he begins the chapter, for those of you that have read it, you'll remember he begins the chapter by asking, what one thing could you do that you aren't doing now that if you did on a regular basis would make a tremendous positive difference in your personal life? And question two, what one thing in your professional life would bring similar results? You see what he's doing here is he's getting you to sort of step out of your box. He says that this question three, this habit three, flows out of the first two habits. Habit number one, be proactive. Remember where basically he said, you're the creator, you're in charge of your life, you can create change, quit playing the victim in your life, quit saying that you know your circumstances determine you, realize that you are uh, the boss of your life. And then uh, last week, uh, he moved to begin with the end in mind. So he said, you're for creation as the creator and as the boss is mental. You need to envision or picture the changes you want in your life. You need to make a plan. He says, that's what being a leader is all about. If you're a leader at your business, that's what you 
So it sets you apart from the employees. You sit in your office and you envision where you want the business to go. But now he says, having done the mental part, having been a leader, you need to turn into a manager. Your second creation moves from the mental to the physical. Now you need to work the plan. Now you need to make it happen. And he says, um, sort of wrapping up this introductory section to the chapter, he says that one of his favorite um, quotes of all time is the, is the famous, it was really famous about 70, 60 years ago in our country. Albert Gray wrote The Common Denominator of Success. When I was a door-to-door salesman for five summers, I carried this little thing around in my pocket and read it constantly myself. The common denominator of success, the secret of every person who's ever been successful, lies in the fact that they formed habits of doing things that failures don't like to do. So it sounds like it's just talking in a circle, but if you think about that, you realize, yeah, whatever it is, whether it's working out, exercising, reading the Bible, you know, um, you know, going out on dates or whatever, if you want to be successful, you have to do the things that failures don't do. Now, um, we were brainstorming about Bible verses that say the same thing, and there's no shortage of them. Proverbs 21.5, good planning, hard work lead to prosperity. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. 2 Timothy 1, God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power and love and self-discipline. Again, this is, this is um, habit number three. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We need to actually put the plan into action. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. So today we're going to talk about what he considers the single most important issue, which is organizing and executing around priorities. All of you know what that's like. You've made a priority list. Maybe at the beginning of your week, like I do, you sort of list everything you need to do, and then I number them in the order of priorities. Uh, let me uh, cover this one more thing, and let's move. Let me let me get you to help out. Covey has uh, mentions four generations of setting priorities and managing time. First generation years ago, where where you know your mother had my reminders or notes or checklists. She didn't prioritize them; just she had to do all these things. Or maybe your dad. The second generation came along and said, "You know what? We need to have a calendar. We need to have appointment appointment book so you can plan when you're going to do all these things, these checklists and these reminders." Then when we moved on further, uh, he, we got into what he called, when he wrote this book, uh, about the year, a little before the year 2000, he said, we're now in the third generation of time management where people are now prioritizing what they need to do. And you control your time and you control your schedule so that you can plan and get all these things done. And he says, none of these things are sufficient. We need to move into the fourth generation in which we are efficient and proactive, managing, don't manage your time, he said, manage yourself, prioritizing not things, but people and results. He says, the issue is not prioritizing what's on your schedule, but schedule your priorities. Realize what's really the most important stuff in life. So um, let me ask you to move us to what, to how you determine the most important stuff in life. Yeah, he jumps in and how many of you guys have seen these four quadrants before in some fashion, form, through this book or otherwise? It, lots of people have picked it up, and you can see across both axes, there's, there's two different things. One is the urgency 
So you see that across the X and then up and down on the Y, you see the important, the import, how important is something. And so we see quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, and four. Quadrant one is the urgent and important stuff. Quadrant two, the not urgent, but it is important. Quadrant three, the urgent and not important. And then quadrant four, this is the not urgent, not important stuff. And then there's so many examples. I I love the example that's in here. So an example of a, a Q1, the urgent and important is you've got a water pipe that's broken and flooding on your bathroom floor in your house right now. Have you guys, have any of you guys ever had a water problem like that? Yeah, that's like, that's urgent right now. Drop everything else. We have to fix this. Doesn't matter what else is going on. In Q2, you could say, well, I've got this water pipe in my house and it's making noises. These, and it's, they're not normal noises, but it's something that I know I need to plan for, something that's important, but right now it's not that there's water gushing everywhere, but we need to make a plan to make that happen. And then a Q3 example of that is you've got this water pipe and it, it was broken, but now you've got some friendly advice that, oh, you should remodel your bathroom <laughs> because of this issue that has come up. So it's not really an important thing, but now it becomes urgent. And so now that's, that's just what you're doing. And the not urgent and not important stuff, and I'm sure none of you have ever done this or seen this, but this is, oh, I've got to post to Facebook the before and after pictures, and here's the flood, and look, this is how beautiful my remodel turned out, and it's terrific. It's not important. It's not urgent, but we still make time to do those things. And as we think about these four quadrants, his... Covey's idea, Covey's theory is that we should spend the most time as leaders in quadrant two. And that is, these are the things that are not urgent, but that are important. These are things like exercise. Is it urgent right now that I exercise today? Probably not, but I know it's important for the long run. It could be vocation or, or planning different things. If you've got an event at work that needs to be planned, you're going to look, you know, weeks out, months out, sometimes years out ahead of time so that you can lay the groundwork so that when that day comes, you know that you're going to be well prepared. Whereas if you take that same situation and you don't handle it in a quadrant two type of way, but you move it into quadrant one, urgent and important, then it becomes frantic. Then, then you're scrambling, then things are coming together, you don't have as much time to think. And so look at, look at this, this chart that's up here. An urgent important, you've got the crying baby waking up in the middle of the night. Or in the case of Eric, you've got the dog <laughs> that's waking you up and waking your baby up. Also, hopefully this is okay. Congrats to, to Eric and his wife just had their first this weekend. So that's super awesome. Little girl, so I can I can identify with that. So so fun. Um, How old is yours? Ten months. Ten months. Wow. I you know. Ever, you ever get the crying baby thing? We, we yes. <laughs> once once or twice she's cried. I think I remember sitting around at men's fraternity while Gabby was still pregnant and talking about it with some of you guys at the table, and it was is one of those great moments. Anyway. 
to the quadrants. You mean being here while she was <laughs> home having the pains? Or, yes, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, as we let's let's move on to this next one because this is interesting. So, and and just kind of look at these four quadrants and imagine where you typically live, where you where you typically operate from, whether it's at work or it's at home. And I know for maybe for most of us in the room. The, the quadrant that we operate most out of can be different depending on if we're at home, if we're at work, depending on our settings. So that quadrant one, this is the firefighting. This is just, oh, here's a fire. Go put it out. This email came in. This problem came in. This thing is urgent now that wasn't planned, but I need to handle it. Now, quadrant two, this is where you're going to spend quality time. If you're a planner, if you are a vision caster, you're, you're a leader, in your organization, this is going to be the place where you're going to set aside intentional time so that you can prepare for the future of your organization, the future of your team, what you want, what you want the culture to be like, what you want the people to be like, the field to be like. Quadrant three. Before you leave quadrant two, you know, yes. I'm surprised that Stephen Covey put recreation in there. Yes. So I grew up on a farm and recreation in my dad's mind should have been always in quadrant four. <laughs> no recreation, you know. Uh, so I, I found that really interesting that he would say recreation mm-hmm. in a way is so beneficial that you ought to stick it up there in quality time. I was, yeah. I was happy for that. I, I really like that too, especially just in the age that we live in, being in America at the time that we live in. A lot of us can be very, very work-driven. We have to work. There's no time to play. There's no time to relax because we've got to make this money. We've got to do this thing. Or, or I don't want to feel like I'm lazy, which is, I know, one that, that I think of quite a bit. But we see so often in scripture where rest is important for, for different periods. It may be a short period of time. It may be a longer period of time. But God's created us. Yes, he's created us to work. That was a good thing. But he's also created us to be able to take a break from that work at different times. Whether it's you're going to go play a round of golf or you're going to read a book for a little while or you're going to go and maybe do a garden project, you're going to go on a date with your wife, or you're going to go on, you know, something like that, where it's not just grindstone, get the goals done, got to do it, can't stop, so I can sleep for five hours and then get up and do it all over again. Sounds great. You were then moving to quadrant three, the things that are urgent, but they're not important. Yes. I'm, I think every single one of us have quadrant three things happen almost every day. Stuff that you haven't had planned, stuff that's not important, essentially, or not as important as other things, but it seems like it's very urgent. Um, some, somebody comes to your office, look, this is, this is really urgent. We have to make this new plan happen. It has to happen now or else something's going to go wrong. And you know in your mind that's not true, but to them it's urgent, so it can be very easy for us to adopt what they think is urgent, even though we know that it's not important. And that can be challenging, phone calls, emails, all kinds of things that come up on a regular basis. And then quadrant four is just time-wasting stuff. This is, and, and this quadrant four one can be the one that, especially if we are people who live out of quadrant one quite a bit, 
the urgent and important, we can be going and going and going and going and going and then come to a point where we just, I just got to take a break. I just need to scroll through my Facebook. I just need to check these, you know, kind of mindless emails or go do a mindless task or do something that's trivial because I'm so used to operating at this high pace that I haven't set aside time for quadrant two stuff. And so it goes immediately to, and this is back in the day, one of the big things was playing solitaire in the office or playing solitaire at, at, at school when solitaire came on computers. I don't even know if they do anymore. See, I agree with you. Solitaire should be in quadrant four, but I'm convinced <laughs> that fantasy football should be in quadrant two. Yes, so. and that's, that's, that's your own conviction. <laughs> do whatever you do, just do it fully convinced. <laughs> yeah, Stan. What's that? Yes. What's that? You never heard of it? <laughs> so, so, some of us at times lack the common sense part. And I remember specifically when I was in high school and I was working at this little sandwich shop and I happened to be the only person working in the, in the building at the time. And it was over lunchtime on a Saturday, so the lunch rush was over. It's about two or three in the afternoon, and there's there's not a soul in the place except for me. So I finished cleaning, finished cleaned every cleaning everything, and went to the back. There's a bunch of dishes that need to be done, so I started the water, put the soap in, put a plug in, came outside to wait until the sink filled up because oh, no. it was a pretty big sink. And I'm sitting out there and I'm doing a, a Q4 task messing around on my phone or texting somebody or something I shouldn't have been doing. And then all of a sudden the phone rings, which is in the back and I turn to go get it. And there's water coming out in, into the dining room floor from the back. So to your point, sometimes we forget to turn off the water (laughs) and then we got to deal with it, which is not fun. So it seems to me there are, uh, I really like, uh, no, this actually comes from the web Uh, It wasn't in the book, but I think this description, Derek, of the kinds of people that are that hang around in these quadrants was good. Yes, if you're, I spend a lot of my time (laughs) in quadrant one. Exam tomorrow, sermon preach tomorrow. You know, car breaks down late for work, always too busy. And I think quadrant one people tend to be procrastinators, as Mm -hmm. versus quadrant two people who are prioritizers. Projects due next week. Oil change for my car. Working out, relationships. You know, look at this third one. Quadrant three is oftentimes a yes man. This is these are not important, but they seem urgent. So you take unimportant phone calls or you interruptions govern your life. Other people's small problems, peer pressure, you're a people pleaser, which is a, at least better than quadrant four, which is the slacker. <laughs> who watches lots of TV, is always on his cell phone, playing computer games, lives for the moment, and wonders where all the time went. Yeah. And then, this is something we actually mentioned last week, but having the courage to say no. This is probably, at least in my mind and for how I grew up and my temperament, this is one of the things that is most important 
Because throughout each of our days, when we say yes to something, we're automatically saying no to other things that we could have done, whether we realize it or not. And so one of the quotes that he has is, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, non-apologetically, to say no to other things. And the way to do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. The enemy of the best is often the good. And so this is, this is a, a principle that I think all of us probably can grow in, is being able to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to other things. So maybe you get an invite to uh, speak at something. You get an invite to a birthday party. You get an invite to a, a work, you know, discussion group or something like that, or you get an invite to a Bible study, or you get an invite to wherever to do a certain task or to be a part of something. And we have to have the ability to say no if it's not something that's on our highest priority list. Because what happens is if we end up saying yes to everything, we start saying yes to things that while they may be good, they may not be the best for us based on our priorities, based on our stage, based on our week. And it can be challenging. We need to talk about this in our groups, but there's two other smaller ideas that are related that he ends the chapter with. And one is the PPC balance, where P stands for production and PC is production capability. The P is more like quadrant one. The PC is like quadrant two, where you are providing for the future. And this fits. He tells the story. Remember the goose who laid the golden egg, one golden egg a day. The guy was really happy. That was the production. Well, then he thought he got greedy and he decided to cut into the goose and get all the golden eggs at once. And of course, there wasn't anything in there. And now he's ruined the production. But uh, the issue is you need to feed the goose the production capability. You need to um, provide backstage for the things that will produce for the future. You need to prepare for the future. So that's the whole PPC thing. And the other idea he threw in is delegation. I think of, um, uh, and he has this, he says we either delegate to time. In other words, we look at our calendar and go, okay, I've got to do this in this amount of time. Or we delegate to people, which he says is more important. And if you don't delegate to people, then you do it all. But if you, you can move the fulcrum over to the bottom and get more done if you'll employ other people to get the same tasks done. He says there are two types of delegation, a go-for delegation in which you tell this person, go, go for this, go for that, do this, and you oversee them and manage every step in the process as versus the better delegation is stewardship delegation where you sort of delegate to your worker or your child you know, you give them responsibility for the task to be stewards. So he whips through those ideas, and so I've just whipped through them, but you can see how they relate to the quadrant two thing. Uh, let me just uh, remind you of how important this chapter is. The last book we covered this last spring when we were doing all these recent books, and one of the most valuable books in, in leadership today is called The Four Disciplines of Execution. I don't know if you remember it, I'll quickly remind you because it sounds just like this chapter. He said you need to come up with a plan or a strategy. That sounds like Covey, number two. And then you need to execute the plan. That's Covey's principle number three, this chapter. He says uh, in this book, The Four Disciplines, he says our problem is that we are occupied with the urgent, the whirlwind, the day job, 
and not with the important, our goals or new activities. And so the goal of this book is to get you and I to focus on the wildly important. He says, come up with your WIG, your WIGs, your wildly important goals by asking, if everything else remained the same, what's one thing you could change that would have the greatest impact? So he says, come up with your plan. It may be lose 10 pounds. That's Covey, number two. And he says, now put it into practice by focusing on the management running three times a week, right? It's perfect. So a final verse, let's read this together. This is Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Don't get sidetracked. One last comparison with four disciplines of execution. Uh, the goals that are the discussion we had this last March for this was, uh, look at number two, pick one goal, work, home, health, relationships. If everything else remained the same, what's one thing you could change that would have the most impact that qualifies as a wildly important goal? Uh, and so we'll ask a similar question today in your groups. Think of a quadrant two activity that you know you've neglected in your life, one that if done well would have a real impact either personally or professionally. Two, what percentage of time would you estimate you spend in each of the four quadrants? How would you tweak the way you spend your time? We did this mm -hmm. yesterday and I'm saying, I think I spend 80% of my time in quadrant one, crises, and the other 20% in quadrant four, just sort of uh, vegging out. <laughs> Number three, think of something you presently do that you could delegate and the persons to whom you could delegate it. Those are great questions. Let's pray, and then let's have a good discussion about this. God, thank you for your, your spirit. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you help guide us every single day. Help us to walk by your spirit. Help us to, to prioritize well. Help us to plan well. And then help us to execute, to be self-controlled, to practice uh, that part of the fruit of the Spirit. And we ask that you would give that to us more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.